Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to season four of And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. I've written with hundreds of artists and writers over the years, and my favorite part of each session is the first hour when we catch up about life, the industry, politics, composition, whatever. So this is a journey of learning why people write songs, how people write songs, and most importantly, who the people are who write the songs. I'm producing this with the great Joe London, Big Deal Music Publishing, and Mega House Music Management. If you want to listen to the songs we discuss in this podcast, follow us on our socials, find out about special events, or buy some of our merchandise, go to our website, www.andthewriteris.com. Oh, and if you enjoy And The Writer Is, please rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcast listening site is. This week's episode is sponsored by BMI. Full disclosure, Joe and I are both BMI songwriters. So we didn't write this, but we believe it. BMI, we celebrate your talent, value your music, and champion your rights. To all our songwriters and composers, your passion is ours. BMI, music moves our world. Welcome to And The Writer Is. I am your host, Ross Golan. Today's eccentric smash songwriter is currently on one of the most impressive runs in pop music. But he wasn't always writing hits for Selena, Post Malone, Bieber, Fifth Harmony, Camilla, and Rita Ora. As a first-generation Korean-American, and by age three, he began studying violin concertos, undoubtedly the most important music in the world to understand melody and composition. This classical virtuoso is now a legend in the songwriting circuit and maybe the greatest source of ridiculous music industry stories, which I'm sure you will hear momentarily. You could say he's all about having a good time. From the Windy City, this musician effortlessly carves pop melodies with more consistency than almost any other top liner in the game. And the writer is my fellow Chicagoan, Brian Lee. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> That's an impressive ability to imitate. <laughs> Yo, you're, 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 a, you're, a, you're a good actor. Very good actor. On the spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your upbringing. I I played violin since I was three, and um, it was just basically was forced. Not really forced, but like when you're three, you don't have options. And then when people were listening to Michael Jackson or whatever, I was listening to classical music. So it was all classical music, and I would be very selective as to what orchestra. Even the, like we'd go to Camelot Music or Sam Goody. You remember that, right? And like the regular stores and. I don't know, a lot of kids don't know that Sam Goody was it, but, and I would only listen to like the Berlin Philharmonic or the Vienna. If my mom brought home a CD that's like fucking New York, I would be like, I wouldn't even listen to it. So I was really particular. And then somewhere along the lines, I just hated 
playing the violin because no, it wasn't it wasn't cool. And like everyone in my grade and everyone in the orchestra, you look around, it's like this is your surroundings. Like this is what you're. This is you. And I look around, and be like this is not me. Like I'm not. I feel like I'm in the library all the time. Like with these fucking. Um, somewhere along the lines, I remember my cousins would come over from Michigan and they would have these tapes, set tapes of Guns N' Roses and the Beach Boys. And I would put them, I would listen to them just secretly and like, just like secretly enjoy it. And the Beach Boys. Secretly because your parents didn't want you listening to it? Or yeah, secretly yeah, because, because well, you the, didn't the, Use your illusion too, there's like a gun. Is there a gun? Or like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom, like, my mom is like, shout out my mom. She's like, you have, you... You, this has gone. You can't listen. It's gone. And I'd be like, what? And like, it would, it would, it was crazy. Like Green Day, when Green Day CD came out, I was only allowed to listen to it on an Apple Macintosh computer with her supervision. Literally, I had to sit next to her, and I would like, and if I had an A on my test papers, that's when I could listen to a song. So if I got a B, I would change it to an A. If I got a C, it's very easy to change to an A. I change everything to an A. F is the easiest thing to change to an A. So yes, I got to listen to the whole album, even though I got C's and D's and F's. So it went from Guns N' Roses, Beach Boys. I got really into just like melodies that are like happy for some reason, or just, I don't know, infectious. And um, fast forward to, I've been in bands. I started bands. I was in a group called White Tie Fair, made in Hollywood. White Tie Fair was pretty big. Yeah, Charlie Walk found us on MySpace. and What did you play in that band? Um, I guess you could say like keyboard and bass or like, I was like, so I left the group as soon as basically they like got on the hills, like I left because it just didn't seem, maybe it wasn't them and it was me because it still is me, but I just didn't, I felt like I was already, they were going to try to control me and they're like, they're like, yo, it has to be like this, 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 this. I was like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, do it, do it your own way. And the fucked up thing was I had a group called Made in Hollywood. And I left them go to White Tie Fair. So when I left White Tie Fair, they just took fucking Maiden Hall. They took all the musicians. That was a weird point in my life when I was like, when, when was that? Like, where were you in your life? Were you in Chicago at that point? Yeah, where, I, was in, I was in Chicago and then you, I had to So leave. you grew up in Indiana, but you moved to Chicago when? Like I'm, what, I'm after born you graduated? in Michigan uh-huh. and I lived in Queens for a while, Flushing Meadow, where all the Asians are in New York. Koreans, actually. And then, um, and then uh, Indiana, like Moreland Park. And then Northwest Indiana. When were you in White Heifer? Where where was that? That was all Northwest Indiana. So everyone thought that we were Panic at the Disco's side project because we didn't put up any pictures. We just put up silhouettes. And Absolute Punk, this website, remember them? Yeah. They were like, is this Panic's new? Like they, they, whatever they said. And then the next day we had like 30,000 plays, 40,000 plays. And like, and so Charlie Walk finds you guys, gives you guys a record deal, and then then what happens? Then the band breaks up. You said no. I so as soon as everything was about to happen, um, I don't want to like go super personal into it, but I just kind of had personal differences with people in the band, and they wanted different things. And at the time, I felt like the 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 first drummer from Blink One Eighty Two that left and then like you know what I mean like it's like this band is just gonna be huge and I fucking left like I I I had crazy dreams that I'd rather not say and like I was like I gotta get out of America I can't I can't because I really thought that they were about to blow up and I left so you left America 
I went to Korea, and I did. I, I like started doing some like K-pop kind of shit, and then uh, as an artist, no, not no, as not as an artist, as just like a producer, like producer, like helping sure. them. That's another funny story. I went over there to actually show play my tracks and not tracks. I, back then, I didn't know what tracks were. I'm playing songs that I wrote and produced and got like paid Mark McCluskey like you know Mark McCluskey's amazing um, and my dad's like do you want to meet this guy named Isuman who's like SM Entertainment I was like yeah yeah I want to meet him dude I fucking got there and I tried out they like I had to do dance tryout like they're like okay your dad's gonna wait here this girl like is like this way please the first floor is like a fucking American Idol dance tryout and I'm like uh they're like yeah leave your backpack here I was like what you go into this room with all mirrors and then they're like do you know how to dance I was like no but they're saying it in, in, it's in all Korea. In Korean, it's like, right? yeah, she's like blah blah blah. My Korean is horrible, and um, and then they wanted me to sing. So I literally was on like American Idol trial. It was the most embarrassing thing ever. And then fucking then the then the second the second story because Cape in Korea everything's all in house building. You do the video, you do the recording, you do the A and R, everything. Yeah, it's like first four, second four, literally like 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 wardrobe is on six. Like so. Then they had me go to a green room to take a photo to do photo shoot. Like I like I'm like what I don't want to do this. And at, when it was over, my dad's like, "Did you meet Isuman?" I was like, "No." He's like, "What did you do?" I was like, "I tried out for fucking some boy band, and it happened to be that I tried out for Super Junior." And then they call me back, like they're like, "We'll call you." And they call me back in America like two months later, saying he's too old. <laughs> and that's when I was like. 18 or 19 I don't know. so you were you when you came back to the US did you go back to Indiana or you when did you move to LA no so it's it's, or you, it's hazy the, those times are hazy so I when I came back so I went to boarding school age 16 to 18 I went to boarding school in the Dominican Republic really went, fucked why? up boarding school because I was a bad kid I mean you, you have Korean parents if if I beat you up and put you in the hospital, my parents would be like, oh, what, what happened? They would ask me, like, why did you do that? He's like, he was making fun of me for being Chinese or Korean, right? Oh, okay. You smoke weed? Marijuana is, like, really weird for, like, like my parents' generation. They just consider it drugs. So they thought I'm basically doing heroin. And they're like, no, like, crying every day. Like, my son, like, make me feel like I'm, like... A murderer or something, and this is too long of a story. I don't know how long to tell you. Like, but we I had a girlfriend. All the time in the world, had, Brian. Had, like, all had, the time in the world for you. I actually have a, a session to go to. In like, three days. <laughs> <laughs> wait, do you have brothers and sisters? Um, I have a late brother, oh. and then I have a sister that is in Boston. Are you close with her? Um, yeah, I think we're closer now. Yeah, sure. I mean, when you lose one, you get closer to the other. What happened to your brother? Um, This is a fucked up story. So June was his father's day. He was pedal boating, you know, like a bicycle in Lake Geneva in Switzerland, in Lausanne or something. And he decided to go for a swim, took all his clothes off except his underwear. And never came back up. And they still don't know where his body is. And there's like no waves there. So it's like all, it's all like a mystery. And then Whoa. he was, he was pedal boating with his girlfriend's boy, brother. He had to go see like uh, someone because he, he couldn't believe that like his, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like me and you pedal boating. Like you go, Hey, I'm going to go in. Yeah. And he never came. So I'm sorry that's, to hear that. yeah. But, um, that's, that was like, fuck, like I'm, he was 20, almost 16 years ago. 15 years oh ago. wow yeah so that's it's just tough that you don't know where his body is but 
because <clears throat> there's no closure. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I use it. I use it for like. I mean, I remember he told he, he was the biggest fan of Fall Out Boy, and Fall Out Boy used to open up for. Not, I don't want to say they opened up for, but like we played after them in coffee shops in in the Chicago area. <laughs> And uh, that's when they were a three-piece. And I would tell my brother, I was like, this band sucks. They're not going anywhere. Like, it's all about, like, this group Knockout. I like this group called Knockout. And he loved them, too. And, like, everything he, he said, he, he, Fallen Boy became huge. So he kind of knew it was up. I would, I would like, he, he introduced me a little more to, like, the punks, the, the, the pop punk scene. I was more, like, rancid, no effects. And he was into, like that drive-through records like Newfound Glory like he introduced me like RX Bandits all this stuff so like I would steal his CDs I would just take them like put them in my car <laughs> when you're in the Dominican Republic from 16 to 18 were the other students were they Asian kids were they <laughs> were they Dominican kids were they who goes whose kids go end up at a boarding school in so, Dominican okay, Republic it's and do they have any music there? I mean, are you at that point just a bad kid, or are you a bad kid who's still listening to music? No, so it's like so. This school it was called New Hor- Escuela Caribe, and there's a, if you go on Netflix, it's called Kidnap for Christ. They actually have it, so they shut it down because I guess apparently there was like last sexual harassment going on, and I actually found out what. So it's a Christian boarding school, so they basically army train you, military train you, and beat you down mentally and physically to to make you love God, which is the most most fucked up thing and um i figured out the game i think I, you're supposed to stay there for one year i was there for two years because like i i couldn't have people being like brian your elbows are on the table excuse yourself and do five push-ups i'll be like fuck yourself they'll be like somebody then then the whole you hear motorcycles come out like all the admin would come and they it was the craziest thing anyways um that story could go so many ways so what what was your question I don't know. I was just asking about what it's like to what go kind of to boarding people? school. Okay. And, and Remember the Dominican Verve Republic? pipe? Yeah, sure. So his son was there. His name was Josh Vander Ark. And over there, you're not allowed to like sing non-Christian songs. You're only allowed to listen to like DC Talk, POD, MXPX. So trust me, I listen to MXPX every fucking day. And um, and and like when you get you have level systems like zero, one, two, three, four, five, right? And then as you get up the level systems, you have more privileges. So Josh, I saw Josh and I found out his dad was in Verve Pipe. So I would like secretly go, we were very freshmen. And he would tell on me. And I would be like, and I got in trouble. He's like, Brian, you're not allowed to sing that song. That's not Christian. And I'd be like, that's your own father. You can't fuck. I would fuck with him. I would, I would always see him and be like, we were very freshmen. He'd be like, Brian, you can't do that. I was like, you are a disgrace to your father. Fuck this place. It's your father. I would always fuck with him though. Every time, like we'd be sweeping the bathroom, and he'd come in. I'd be like, "We were very, very." It was so fun for me. I didn't care. I didn't care about the consequences. It was worth it. Is that where you graduated high school? Then I didn't graduate. I have a GED. Okay, so when you left that high school, what do you, where do you go from the Dominican Republic? How do you get to so LA? What they do over there is they try to make your parents believe that you need a Christian college. So they were trying to make me go to Indiana Wesleyan. And in my head, I was like, fuck that. I'm going to Cali. So Pepperdine is a Christian college. Oh, yeah, yeah, So I was trying to manipulate all of them to be like, listen, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for God. Like, like I'm going to be a good person. I, I got to do it in Pepperdine. I can't do it in Indiana. They're like, well, Brian, Indiana's closer. I was like, I don't. Eventually, I got back to Indiana, um, and I ran away because it's easy because I live in Indiana. Some people, they live in, like, Michigan or Atlanta, so you can't run away from Indiana. It's a very, very 
kind of far drive and all this. It's like a two-hour drive from my house. So I had I had my dad pick me up because I, I got on a level system where it was, I was like almost a staff member and I was very respected. And then um, I kind of felt bad doing it, but I was like, fuck it, I got to get out of here. And my dad was like, you have all these parent visits and you can go to, once you get to a, a level, you can go and visit home, but you have to come back. So one day I just had a whole bunch of laundry and a whole bunch of beds. And my dad's like, you have a lot of laundry. I was like, yeah. Yeah, you know, and like, I think he got it, but then was, I ran, I ran. I went to Naperville, like, hid out. It was, it was you went really, to Naperville? It was actually Oh, awesome. Illinois. So that's how you end up in Naperville? Yeah, because I got back with people that were in the program. We called it the program. So people that left the program, they could write you. They're like, Brian, because we would, the only thing we have is letters. We don't have phones, we don't have phones. So letters, so people that we were in the program with would leave the DR and write you. And that would be the most depressing thing. I'll be like, this fucking motherfucker was here a year ago with me. And now I'm still here. They're back at the mall in Chicago. Like, I'm like, fuck this up. It was, it was really sad. But when I got to Indiana, because they screen your letters too. So when I got to Indiana, I, I don't know how I did it, but I was like, I coordinated just, it was like a movie. The escape to Naperville. <laughs> It's like one t- Harold and Kumar Guantanamo Bay. That can be the <laughs> that could be the name of your your biography. Will be the escape to Naperville. So you get Naperville to, is nice. No, it's super nice. Yeah, we, we have some good friends. It's like from Sherman there. Oaks. Yeah, it's very similar. So you end up in L.A. How the hell do you end up in L.A.? And are you playing any music during this? Are you writing anything? Like during those during years, the, are you doing any? Is there the, any music between like? Years sixteen through escaping to Naperville. Yeah, of course. Well, no, no. It was well. You remember the band Show Off? I don't. So it's John Feldman's first band that he that he oh wow yeah produced to Form, Maverick. Our former so Chris Messer uh, interviewer interviewee. Chris Messer. I was such a big fan of like Messer. Like I was just like a punk. Like I don't want to call it punk, but like good Charlotte punk. You know. Um, uh, me and Chris were in a band and we toured and we did the crazy. I feel like no one's really toured like us, or maybe they do. I I, I don't. I, it's the poorest way to tour. We bought a fucking van in the classifieds and like the fucking pedals were like go kart pedals, and we toured. Like we went on tour and played. Not big shows, like I mean, it was the it was it was so fun. But at one point, I was like, I remember like <laughs> I don't know if you listen to this, but I remember like he took all the merch money and got married. He, so like we were in St. George, Utah, and like where the hell is Chris? He's like, oh, he went to go marry Jamie. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, he took the van. I was like, what? So we're stuck in Utah. So we all got cars and we went down. And we're like trying to stop the money. So it's just like you like have a big fight over the merch money. He's like, who's gonna pay you back? He's like, this is my band. Like it was a crazy. Was, Did was he ever crazy, pay? There was some crazy shit. Did he I ever remember pay one back? time I took. They, I caught. I caught the singer fucking in my sleeping bag. So, I, assume, I said. So I said. Were you in it? <laughs> no. I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, Fuck you. I threw the suitcase down the stairs. It was like Home Alone shit. And then. I took a skateboard. I was like, I was so angry. I grabbed a skateboard. I go, I'm going to the airport. I'm like, fuck you guys. I start skating towards, just towards the street with like all my shit. And then they had to grab the van and like find me. It was it was pretty childish shit. But how do the people at Songs Publishing? Because that's really the first time that you end up becoming yeah a professional songwriter and artist. Well, of I owe like- all of this to 
Stephanie, Lady Gaga, for real. And and uh, this guy Vince Lawrence gave me a t- chance. So Vin- how did how I did was it- making tracks. This is the first time I realized what tracks are. And this is when Dr. Luke had his reign. And everybody was like, bro, I, you could be Dr. Luke. Like, you have what it takes to be Dr. Luke. And I'm like, who the fuck is Dr. Luke? And they're like, well, dude, he's the guy that's writing all the radio shit. And I was like, well, I don't really like the radio shit. And he's like, yeah, you do. And then he played, I was like, I do like this. I remember the Veronica's Untouched was one of the, song that, one of the, first, one of the first songs that I liked. <clears throat> and then I just started listening to like, I don't know what happened, but some, somewhere along the lines, I, I honed in on Max Martin without knowing who wrote the songs. I actually fucked up at the Grammy Museum. I was talking about Max Martin. I was like, you know that song? Sometimes I run, sometimes I hide. And Allie's like, uh, that's not Max's song. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's uh, your Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I go, ah, they're Swedish anyway. Oh, fuck. Close enough, right? Exactly. Um, so through Vince Lawrence gave me a chance like to like make make tracks and so this this is funny i would i think my salary was 670 dollars cash a week or something and i had to come in your salary from what make i had like a job oh as a track like like, track guy but i didn't know what tracks were so this so this other this one guy like showed me and in my mind, I'm like, why is this guy showing me? Like, are you a big producer? Are you big? He happened to be Lupe Fiasco's engineer. So there's a lot, his name's Brian Gaynor. He's very talented. I don't know where he is. I hope he's still alive. I haven't talked to him in like 50 years. But um, so we, we all like had this camaraderie and like I learned all this stuff. I learned everything Pro Tools, Expand. That's one thing I regret. I, I stopped doing Pro Tools and now I need to work with engineers, but that's going to stop soon. I'm going to relearn Pro Tools. But... So we, we started doing all this stuff, and then DJ White Shadow, this guy DJ White Shadow, he was like, yo, I'm going to send all these tracks to Gaga, blah, 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 blah. He sent, he sent like a shit ton. He sent like from, from, from everyone, from like Clint Sparks to like Snake, everything. She responded heavily to a song that we called Even Hand, which became Black Jesus on her album. And then from there, we, you know, we, we went on the tour, and we did some... We, we, she had a studio bus, so we recorded on the studio bus, and she's awesome. She's seriously awesome. So you end up signing the songs, and you know, it's probably the, at the time like becomes it, it part of you being involved and whatnot. But it becomes the biggest independent, one of the biggest independent publishing companies. You know, yeah, no, like I mean, when I met Ron Perry, he came to where I used to work. In Chicago, Meiji. They used to serve sushi. You remember Meiji? Have you been there? No, I haven't. It was the best fucking sushi in the world. Ron came there, and then, uh, and I literally go, yo, you came to me. You actually came to me. I'm a person of, yes, contracts are valid, right? Like, but yo, contracts to me are like, fine. Contracts to me is like contracts. I just love like verbal contracts because that's actually, like, if you're gonna fuck me, then fuck you. And I have a, I, that's how, that's how I like to operate. And, I, and I'm a man of my word. So I told Ron, I was like, if you come, I'll sign to you. And he came. Literally, like that day. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good time for uh, Owl City and Carly Rae ends up being like just a kind of a real pop single. And this, you know, having been in bands and having been with Gaga, this is the sort of the shiniest song you have, you know, that kind of comes out. Did you, you know, how does that song come about? And then, you know, that's the first like real single. The rest of it has been in, you know, albums, being in bands, watching that single climb, being every commercial and all that. How did that feel? That was surprising too, because I remember Ron calling me. He goes, bro, Carly is going to do a song with Oil City. I go, what? And I remember he sent me the song that was finished. And I go, I go, who, I go, who's singing? Who who is that? He goes, it's Carly Rae. I go, really? Like I it it wasn't it wasn't like a oh my god it's so cool. It was like more like I gotta listen to it. I like like I I think like all the songs that I've had it it's 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 it, I have I've never had that like oh, except maybe it, it just it ain't me, um, but because it ain't me just is it speaks. There's a story with that too, but all the all the songs like all of them. I know you're gonna go through them, but. Um, especially BTS's Airplane Part 2. I didn't write that. Shout out Roman, Ali Tamposi. Yeah. All Night, when that came out, really bummed me out because I had the... It was This was Iconopop had... I love hearing I that. I love it. The whole interview was worth it now. Exactly. It had, yeah, you were, yeah, you were talking you about competition. You motherfucker had competition. Hell beat. yeah, man. Well, because this was like... I used right. to tell people this. I'd be like, Ross Golan wants to be Swedish so bad he's growing a fucking beard, just like Nate Kempity. But you know what? That's exactly Chicago. why. Exactly. Like, Ammo bought a fucking dog that looks like Max Martin's dog. Like, you think you're Max Martin's dog, you're going to be Max Martin. Ammo's very talented. Shout out, Ammo. Yeah, I miss is. you. Come back home. I no, do miss you. All Night came out, and we had the, the song that, um, you know, I did with Stargate and Benny, whatever. And it was so, well, I was pretty sure it was going to be the follow up to I Love It. And it was sort of like the coveted, like, what's going to follow that song. And when that song came out, it got licensed everywhere. Yours did. By the time ours came out, it was like, didn't just didn't matter anymore. And ours was called Just Another Night. So after All Night happened, it was like, I well, like, no, it you know sounds about this? like. Do you know what? about this? The I don't. artwork, they had it as Just Another Night. So it the, the, the promo was like that, that weird blue. Yeah. And it said Just Another Night. Like they had was, the wrong. It was ready like, to go. It was ready we, we to go. We thought we had the single. Yeah. And then I wrote all night, and then they just go ah, take off just another. Put on. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's the I'm thing that's hard for people Don to Julio. realize. And at, at the time, we were at um, I forget the name of the the studio that we used to be at. That I think might have been the old Pulse one. You said to me something. You were like this. Uh, you, you said it's so surprising that you don't have any hits. Because people knew who I was, and I was like the album cut guy. I had cuts on, like, you said that to me. And I remember that. And I remember being like, it was like right around, you know, right around this time. Oh, wait, was it at Chalice? 
No, 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 it wasn't. It was the one that's in the BMI building. On on Sunset. Electric Field. That's our oh, yeah, studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's ours. Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember being in that room and, and being like, man, like I, I just don't, I can't buy, I couldn't buy a single. I could get on the albums, but I couldn't get the like the single. And when I did have the single, the single just flopped. So then I was like, oh, it's me. I'm the X Factor. I don't know how to make a hit song. And like it took, it felt like it took forever. And I just remember like, you know, at that time when losing a single was like, damn, man, I, I don't know when it's ever going to happen. I, I imagine All Night was like, you, you know, I don't, then, I don't know how So much, was Whistle after or before? I didn't do Whistle. I did My House. Oh, yeah. My, I'm sorry. But all that was after that. Yeah. Like my, most of my stuff started happening. And for real, like, yeah, all that's after yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real sort of run, I mean, you obviously between then, you know, the, you, you, you consistently had cuts. So I assume you were in the studio all the time and doing shit. But it really wasn't until like kind of like 2016 that you end up with like a string of like worldwide number one songs. I mean, you had songs on purpose and stuff, but maybe I'm missing something. But it seemed like there were like two or three years there where I was like just doing the circuit. Yeah, I mean, doing the circuit is the worst. And then you just start feeling like you're knocking your head on a wall that's just like like brick at the end. It's like, you know? And... Kind of like now, there's really no one to to write for because everyone's an artist now, and those artists that are out there, they want to write. But I want to bring it to now. So during that time, I was just like, yeah, I was an eager songwriter. I was like, oh my god, I want to I want to work at, I want to go to Chalice. I want to like I want to do all these sessions with everybody. Like 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 Ju, Ju, I remember Jaden Michaels was like, I was like, I want to work with Jaden. Like I was like, I want to work, and I did. I remember going to Nashville. I went to Norway. Got flown to these camps. And we, then, had, we had our only cut together during that time. The um, what's it called? We have. A cut I want to give you a good life. Oh yeah, that's the only song we ever had because I, I can't remember if it was I like. I think we gave it up too early. Yeah, I actually really like that song. The songs. I mean, at that time, I was so I lived with all the Dr. Luke's main. I lived with Ammo and Jay Cash and Lights Over Paris. I, I got I really got a hands-on experience on like how like kind of Luke and I don't know Max but Luke and that that whole they were the powerhouse and like I felt like I was like learning. This week's episode is sponsored by BMI. At BMI music moves their world just like it moves mine. BMI is my performing rights organization. They're the bridge between people who create music like me and the businesses that bring it to the public. They make sure I get paid when my music is streamed on apps or shows, played on radio, at live shows, or in bars, gyms, basically anywhere where music is played. And they do this for over 900,000 songwriters, composers, and music publishers with more than 14 million songs across genres. But it's more than that. They help us navigate the music industry. They create opportunities for aspiring writers and composers through stages at festivals, song camps, and workshops. And they connect us with the right people. They're also on Capitol Hill fighting for copyright protection and fair royalties. And they work hard to ensure the future of music. They have my back and they'll have yours. Learn more at BMI.com. Work from home comes out. It's massive. It's like stupid massive. And then right after that, you have Let Me Love You. 
and work from home is kind of like the like that the button on the end of your old life. I mean, you wrote it with ammo and that crew, and then let me love you is kind of like the beginning of the Ali Watt Brian phase. So, where do you feel like in that process, like? That year, 2016, is pretty crazy. I mean, work from home and let me love you in the same year. I don't know. Tell me a little bit about that experience. So, because there's a difference between it's having actually a hit two and different then lives. It's yeah. two different lives, though. So, work from home was done at an ammo writing camp, and I, as much as as much as I don't like writing camps, but there's the writing camps is fun. You get a free fucking flight. You can go there, hang out in Bali. It's awesome. It, it's actually awesome. The flight's not free for some people. The first time it wasn't free for me. In my mind, I was like, oh, you get to write with all these great songwriters. We can write a smash. Some of the songs are good. I do like some of the songs that are written, but I started realizing like, the relationship's more important than the fucking song. So I, I, I literally started going like, you know what? Let me get your number. Let me get your number. Let me get your number. And I would go grab Mike Taylor, who's like a universal. And I would be like, let's go golf. I left the session. I'd go golfing because I'm not trying to. I'm in Bali. I'm not trying to write a song for fucking artist A. Like, hey, that could be good for this guy. I'd be like, cool. I was there to just. It was a vacation. Ammo had this summer camp. It's called Ammo Summer Camp. It's the first time I met Emily Morin. And he had some people in his B room. He had a B room and an A room. And he asked me, he said, Do you mind going to the B room? one day and do the A room tomorrow. I was like, no, I don't mind. I think I canceled the day of the B room. And then the A room day was with, with Explicit and his wife now, Jade, Jude, not Jade, Jude, and Dallas K. And it was like, I came two, like two hours late, one hour late. They were like, people were swimming in the pool. I was like, I didn't miss anything. Because I, I have good intuition sometimes. And... Uh, <laughs> I shared this at the Grammy Museum like two days ago. So Ammo takes me outside. He goes, do you like this? And all I hear is, do, 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 do. And I said this to him. I go, you should add a xylophone. And he goes, I like that. I go, I knew you'd like that. I said this. I go, it's so happy that the lyrics have to be like kind of fucked up. And Nelly and Bruglia was who we were kind of going for at the time. And is that her name? Yeah. Okay. Bro- close enough. I don't want to say no. It's not Imbruglia. Im- Natalie Im- Labrose. See that oh. that was wrong, man. Yeah, I mean those are totally different people. No, so it was Natalie Labrose. Yeah, one, well, so Natalie Imbruglia. Is so, so, so <laughs> no, so work from home was for yeah. her, and then her team was like, it's too pop. So I was like, there's no way. Like blah blah blah. Uh, they're like Fifth Harmony's doing it. I was like, cool. And then they got Ty Dolla Sign. It just it just worked out. But that was a, a camp song. There was no like person in mind. Yeah, not really. Yeah, it was more just it was it was the it was the fucking your 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 Swedish school of music. It's like good melodies, good melodies, the exact same chords every fucking time, and then you make a story and you make feelings with your melody. That's what I loved about Swedish formula, and I felt bad for Swedish producers because it's like, hey, it's your job to be vanilla. You have to not be so amazing. Your tracks can't go. Because the melody doesn't stick out. And like, you know, there's people like Circuit and Billboard. There's ways to do it. Like Inside Out's an amazing track. It's one of my favorite. And the track sticks out. But most, a lot of the songs that goes, dun, 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 like, you know, like the like DJ Guys Fall in Love is, people used to ask me, Brian, what's the Swedish formula? And I'd be like, do I look fucking Swedish to you? The Let Me Love You melody is pretty bananas. 
specifically, obviously, the you know one note in there that's like super exciting. Yeah. Which one is yeah. it? What note's exciting for you? Um, yeah, the second one. I think it's great. But I mean, Snake, we have- Snake did an amazing job interpolating like what 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 the demo was. It's amazing, and he really did it. I'm gonna just go through. Let me love you. It ain't me. Wolves. Havana. You know, let alone let me go. Lonely together. Is- with wolves, I love. With wolves, I love that someone goes. How many wolves do you see in a jungle? Someone said that. Like I don't get the song. There's no wolves in the jungle. That's actually really funny. I never thought of that. But the that's like, I had a song once where we I said like like a, a pack of lions tonight, and it was like one of these songs that was like in the lyric, and my and I was excited. It was like it was the theme for like the Blackhawks for when they were going to the uh, Stanley Cup, and it was uh, something in uh, a lot uh, of these uh, things. It was a Gavin uh, DeGraw uh, song, oh, wow. and and uh, one of my friends like calls me. He's like he's like great song. It's a pride of lions. And I was like, fuck, can't change it now. But um, I actually have a few stories like that, but that's another story. So Ross, how, let's do <laughs> No way. Let me love you. It ain't me. Wolves, Havana, the Brian Lee, Ali Tamposi, Andrew Rott uh, trio has arrived. Um, do you guys, did you feel like you guys were a trio? Does it feel like you guys are like a team? I mean, if you think of like some of the great pop teams in history, they don't have a run with four major, major, major songs in a row like that, let alone these other ones, which are also pretty major. I mean, any one of those would have made you happy. You know, your sort of like B sides on that run are, are A sides for everybody else. You know, how do you feel about being part of like a, a you know, a team as an individual like you who also is like, a, you know, an it was, individual. It was really honoring to, our our formula was this, and I remember saying this, but Andrew might be mad at what I say, but I would always be like, yo, we got to be like the Cranberries, um, Fleetwood Mac, and Max Martin. That's it. If we have those three, and Beatles, take the Beatles out. So Cranberries, Fleetwood Mac, and Max Martin. As long as we have those elements in our songs a little bit, at least every time, we're good. And no production. Give So we would make sure that our song is just snap. It would be snap. It would be kick. We would not produce it. We would send it to all the producers and then finally we are in charge of like who. And then our, it's also this. If an, a, an A&R comes in and, he, and we would make sure the vocal is produced done though, like Serban style. Like if an A&R comes in, it's like, yo, this is a smash. Like I, I, like, I, I have a producer that can do this. But if you produce it and you play it for fucking A&R manager, it's like, you know, it's good. It's good. Or Miles from Kygo. Oh, it's great. I've heard better. <laughs> Which is... He actually did that for, for, so for when we wrote It Ain't Me, I yelled at Ali for saying, or someone, I think it was Ali, that like we wrote something that was garbage f- the first session. It's the first day. So the first, that first day, the session for It Ain't Me, we wrote something, quote unquote, that was garbage. And Miles came in and he's like, I, I like it, don't love it. I hate that statement so much. And I was going to go home. I was like, I'm going home, I'm going home. And Ali's like, stay. And I'm like, no, let's stay. Just stay. There's 
a series of events that happened in that hour, and then I stayed, and it ain't me came out of us like, like, like it's just natural. It was it was weird. I was trying to do like Irish, like oh Danny Boy kind of shit mixed with like Johnny Cash, mixed with Weezer actually. This next segment. We're going to go with a five for five like we usually do. I'm going to list five things. You just tell me what comes off the top of your head. We're going to start with Lady Gaga. That's a hard one. Um, Marilyn Manson. Songs Publishing. Ron Perry. Ali Tamposi. Beautiful Car Accident. Andrew Watt. The Fucking Fixer. Austin Rosen, your manager. The Don. But, I, wait, I want, I want to do Austin again. He's he did, he's silent ninja for real. He's a, he's a sniper. Austin's a sniper. You don't know where the fuck he is. He will not return your calls. But when he snipes, it's, it's over. You've been working on. You're always able to work on. First of all, thank you for doing this. You know, and like I, it was hard for me to wake up. Um, I have I hibernate like I'm a bear. I'm not human. But you know, this is this is true. You know, like we you and I met. When we were at the, and kind of broke around the same time, like I think we're all in the same generation of writers. You know, this the same people kind of broke in the the teens, the 2010 to 2020, whenever yeah. that is. You know, we're part of that same crew, and we met through the circuit of songwriters in rooms. And you look at each other, and you, everyone watches each other, and everyone's friends with each other, everyone supports each other. Like when it comes down to it, I think everyone's like really close. And everyone really, for the most part, has each other. I would like back. to be closer with you, for real. Yeah, we should. Work, we should. But I use you as an example because maybe it, maybe it is something that what, what Chris said to me. But and I, and I use Julia Michaels as an example too. And you may want to check this for the record, but I mean this: I've, I, I don't want to work with the person that wakes up at fucking eight in the morning, and then showers, and then eats a salad. Goes to Equinox, fucking ready. I'm already excited to go to the studio. Has all these fucking ideas. It's like, yo, you know, like this artist looking for this song, like really likes this beat. Like, fuck that. I don't want to do that. I used to. I've like, maybe it's just the artist side of me. Maybe it's because like, you know, I played violin since I was three or I was, I was abused in every way by everybody, <laughs> which I like. But, um, um, you mean career wise or human wise? Every, every wise, every wise. Otherwise, like, is that a situation that we should address? Yeah. No. What, what do you mean address? Like call I don't cops? Know. You want to call paramedics? Maybe. I don't know. And you know this too. You're married. I've never had. I've never been this happy with my music, whether it's getting placed or not. And yes, there's artists that I would consider untouchable that are like fucking with me, and I don't know why. And and literally, I'm literally like. I, what I said to you before, I I got sick of being mean to so many people and like yelling at people, like engineers or everybody. That I was like, you know what, I'm gonna learn how to engineer again, and and just be one in the room. And my lyric game was never like amazing, so I I just go blah. I I, I sing a melody and do the track. I use Logic Loops <laughs> for the track, and they're like big artists that are asking for these songs, and it's it. It shows that melody really, really like it could hit. It, it, it makes me proud that like melody, melody can actually still hit people's hearts and and music. And um, my lover Yuna, who is better than me, she's the first girl that 
I would consider a girlfriend because I, I'm like envious of her. I'm envious of like what she has, which is you know that saying is like behind every behind every great man is a better woman. Like I'd be like laugh at that shit before <laughs> because I I never and like I'm not disrespecting all my exes that are listening. There's probably one ex listening. I don't even know, but yeah, this is the first time I actually feel like I have like a life, an actual like you know like a life. Like I have a girl um, that I'm proud of. I I remember like. I wanted to be. Pr- I'd, I'd hang around these, like like you, or like like you, like you'd be with the girl, like you'd love her, like I'd see her, and I'd be like, oh my god, they're, they're gonna get married. They got married, and like, I'd I'd come home and be like, I'm not gonna marry you, like, so, like I, I gotta figure this shit out. I'm just at a point where I'm happy with my music because I'm doing it all kind of myself, which is selfish in a way, but it's the first time I'm like I could I I could play something and like get a response and that that response is all me it's like do you like this there's no lyric do you like it and the people that are responding are so unexpected like i'm not gonna say who but like the people that are responding it's like i almost want to be like why do you like this it sounds like shit they're like yo it's amazing there's that expression of if you don't prioritize your life someone else will yeah and i feel like there's something about if you start being selfish you're like you know what this is something i want to do then maybe people look at it and they actually recognize oh yeah that person went off on a on their own, they 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 took the risk and they jumped off a uh, El Capitan alone and like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, it's a it's hard to do stuff alone. It's um, it's vulnerable. It takes more time. It's it's you know you're gonna make different kinds of mistakes, but it'll be more artistic. And you know I think that that's you know like be, I found I found a way to fall in love with misery, and that's something that I'm so grateful for because. When you see happy people, I hope I don't see you and your girl at a fucking Cheesecake Factory next to me, and then you're like, ah, happy. <laughs> because those are the couples I'll be like, fuck that couple. Like, I love when couples are fighting. I'll be like, you know, they're like, in my head, I'm like, they're gonna have crazy sex tonight. Like, or she's gonna fuck someone else. Like, it's really like, that's passion. I live for passion, and I live for reaction, and I live for laughter. That's it. Like, it's the craziest, it's not the craziest thing, but that's all I really care about. And, you know, well, when you said earlier that you wish that you were not that you know that you're working to in a way not fit in, yeah, you know, I mean, being Korean American from Indiana is like where's Waldo's shit? Yeah, you know, like, he's like <laughs> find Brian. Like I should be in a karate uniform and a fucking eating sushi and chopsticks and fucking. But like, you found a way. You found a way to be. Um, you found a way to be yourself in this industry and you found a way to um you found a way to continue to stay relevant and not just stay relevant you're working with the biggest rock stars pop stars in the world because i think they gravitate to the fact that you do have your own set of rules and you live by your own rules you don't live by everybody else's rules and i admire that and Thank i'm you. i'm impressed as always they you know with your consistency and I know how good your melodies are. I know how good your melodies were. And it's nice to see the rest of the world getting to hear that. So congratulations. Thank you. And thank you for doing this, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of And The Writer Is. If you want to hear music from this songwriter I just interviewed, 
be sure to check out our Spotify playlist or visit our website at andthewriteris.com. And the Writer Is is produced by Joe London, edited by Miles Bergsma, and published by Big Deal Music. A special thanks to David Silverstein from Mega House Music and Michael White. Until next time, this is Ross Gold. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.